Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, and here with me today is Kavi Ahuja Moltz and David Moltz, the co-founders of DS and Durga. Welcome, David. Hello. Hi, Kavi. Hi, Priya. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here, guys. You just got back from a pretty incredible trip in Italy, right? Where you were totally inspired with new fragrances and ideas. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of old world architecture and art that we saw. We ate incredible things, sniffed a lot of plants and fun artifacts. So tell us a little bit about your brand, because I think for people in New York and people maybe on the coast and even internationally, you know, Dia Sandurga is one of these cool indie fragrance brands. I think for people who have known you guys for a while, it's been almost like 11 years that you've been working on this brand. Um, And it seems like you're getting a lot, lot more of attention. What was the idea for the brand when you first got started? So we started making uh, gifts for friends. Well, okay. So Kavi and I were going away a lot on weekends and like going to used bookstores and I was finding all of these old herbal manuscripts like about plants and I was getting really interested in what was growing around me in the city. I've always been, or maybe I was developing the philosophy that beauty and incredible things are right outside your door. You just have to look like you don't need to wait 20 years to get to the Himalayas to finally find something beautiful. You can just go right there. And so trying to figure out what was the weeds that were coming up in the cracks. Uh, you know, we lived in Brooklyn and she lived in Manhattan. Um, and reading these books. And so I just started making things. And for one holiday season, we made gifts for friends. They all liked it. And Kavi was like, we should make a business of this. And at that time, this was 2008-ish, 2008. And, um, you know, it was like a recession and people were just making a lot of their own stuff. Like we, we had friends who were, had jewelry company or like making ties or shoes. So we didn't know anything about perfume or business or the perfume business and just started making things. And it really took off. And we realized, you know, as that, as it took off that we could transition from, I was a musician trying to write like very intricate music and I could transition those ideas into fragrance and Kavi was an architect and she could transition that design into actual like packaging design that gets made much more quickly than a building. Was that an easy transition? You know, moving from David, you said you went to film school earlier and you were a musician and Kavi, you were an architect transitioning into the world of perfume and beauty. I mean, it doesn't exactly seem linear, but I can, I can imagine that it was very creative. They were all very creative fields. I think that we were young enough that, we didn't even like give it too much thought, actually. Um, I I left architecture, which was a little bit crazy because I, you know, I had a master's degree and I was like on this like professional path. Um, I left in a recession where like people like at desks were empty around me because they were being laid off. And when I quit, my boss was like, How are you how are you doing this? You're you know, you're kind of nuts, like you're lucky to still have this job. Um, but I just like wasn't satisfied with what I was doing. And then this opportunity came along with David that just seemed so exciting and fun and different that we sort of just kind of intuitively knew that we had to to follow it. It wasn't really like a big decision that like weighed on us. We were like, this seems really cool. Like we have to go for it. Um, and like David said, we were really like boosted by just the energy around us of you know friends and people in Brooklyn doing all these things by themselves, like these crazy success stories of just, and it wasn't, it wasn't, it was success on a much different scale than, than we're, t- than, than we are right now. Um, but just like very small scale, local grassroots, homegrown level of success. And just like seeing that people were able to 
you know, make these products, sell them in like markets, flea markets, you know, little boutiques and make a living off of them. And that was just kind of in itself really exciting to us. Um, Seemed like a nice kind of life where we got to like call our own shots and just dictate, you know, what our jobs were. Um, So it was a little bit of a no brainer for us to make that transition. Also the, the artistic disciplines uh, I think they're like, as they're, they only differ really in, in materials, you know? So like I could make, and this is the older I get, the more different kinds of art I make, whether it's like visual or words, like, or music or perfume, I can make uh, something that's, you know, looks like a mountain with us, with a guy standing on it or something that smells like that or music that sounds like that. And it just, it's just different materials. And so I do think that that's something that's different about maybe my approach to perfume than some other perfumers. You know, to me, it is an artistic discipline where you are able to uh, create gigantic narrative pieces, um, you know, whether or not they like trigger feelings or emotions or wordless things for people or just conjure images like something more uh, visual, it, it doesn't matter to me. It's still taking aromatic materials and constructing something with them, you know, just like a painting or a book or a song. We're kind of on this indie fragrance boom craze right now. It seems like everybody is launching a fragrance line, or maybe it's coming out of pandemic that, you know, people think that they need to create sampling kits or candles and homes and that self-care moment. But you were quite earlier this. Did you ever think, you know, in 2007, 2008, that you guys were going to be as big of a brand that you are today and to kind of have the distribution and the stores that, you know, I think we're nowhere. We, we want to get some, we want to like make it so much bigger. We, we are, are, we have blinders on. We're not, we never did market research and like looked at other brands. I mean, sometimes now I do like just to see certain things, but we've, we, our influence comes from so much outside of the perfume world. Like I'm trying to like make things that live on the level of great symphonies or like poems or, or books. It's not about like, you know, some other brand. And quite frankly, most perfume brands are made by the same, like, you know, maybe 400 perfumers in the world make everything. So that's not true of every brand, but having our brand is I make everything. So it's like my own artistic ideas, um, you know, and Kavi's designs. So it's not like I take my idea to someone like, Oh, can you make it smell like my friend's house in 1985? You know, this person maybe never went, certainly didn't know my friend. Maybe they've never been to Boston where I'm from or, you know, and, and then, so it gets filtered through someone else's vision, which by the way, I'm not saying there's anything bad about that. It is a, a, definitely a valid way to do it, but ours is the expression of us and what and what we like. And so I think that it's hard to compare. You know, there are other brands that have in-house perfumers, but yeah, and I think just that because of that, because of our very unique approach and story, that David's a self-taught perfumer, that I'm doing all the visuals um, and the branding um, now with a team, but started started out doing it myself. Um, we bring such a specific vision that we're so grateful for for how far um, we've come. But I think we knew in the beginning that we were kind of hitting upon something very special and that we had this, um, it was a very like unknown and mysterious space perfume. I mean, I think it still is if you, if for anyone in the fragrance industry um, to, to break into it from the outside was just basically impossible. No one's looking to explain anything to you. It's very um, European. It's very, um, you know, kind of dominated by, 
people who have have you know trained uh, in in fragrance. Insular. And, yeah, it is insular, and um, so you know it's hard to to kind of like emulate another the, the, and, and when we started they're years just ago, busy too like I said everything's made by 400 people but a brand of our our scale like uh, like our type really it didn't exist that much I'm not saying it didn't exist at all but surely we were one of the first like very small scale perfumers perfumers to start to do it like everything on our own so um I think we knew that there was something special there to start with. It wasn't like the most saturated market like years ago when we started. And it was, it was more than 11 years ago. It was, you know, uh, nearly 14 years ago. So um, it was just very different then. It's, it'd be a lot harder today for sure. I mean, every, every, you know, um, facet of the beauty industry is just much more crowded today than it was 14 years ago. Talk to me a little bit about that. You know, like we said, the beauty space is so much crowded than it was, you know, 15 years ago. And fragrance particularly is also much more competitive and much more crowded. You see these deals with Byredo getting bought and, you know, different various brands launching in Sephora. Like what, what do you think about all that? What do you see yourself sitting in that larger, more fast, fast, more and more landscape? Well, I think as long as you keep your eyes on like, what you're doing and don't worry about what everyone else is doing it's and build things for the long term. Like we're not trying to like grow 2000% by next year and exit, you know, like we're, we're trying to like build something sustainable that'll be here for hundreds of years, you know, that, that is, you know, spreading joy, telling really rich narratives, um, you know, showing that perfume can live on the level as other things like, you know, how can I make uh, a perfume that's like a meal or like a, like a bad restaurant, like our last fragrance, you know, or like, how can you actually make these big artistic statements in, in aroma? You know, and I, I think that when people find us, there's so much content to each one that they're interested in getting into it, you know, into the story and, and, uh, it's a little like having like a record collection, you know, or having a like bunch of books on on your shelf. It's nice to have this little ability to spray and go into worlds, wear it on your skin throughout the day and wear something else the next day and the next day, you know, and I'm not saying it has to be all our brand, but um, I, I think perfume has a way to go to spread to more people as a sort of vehicle for everyday artistic ideas and just fun. So you definitely don't feel the pressure or the competitiveness of like launches and excessive launches, because it seems like your fragrances, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about this afterwards, is are very like thoughtful. The names, the the phrases that you use, the the dissonant ideas that you put together. Yeah, I have a million of them and I'm just trying to get them all out. That's what like if, uh, we, we do release stuff at a breakneck pace, but it's because I have so much I want to get done and I want to make the world's best perfume line that has one of everything in it. And so, you know, we do these studio juice drops where it's just a hundred bottles that I hand make. And that's a great way for us to just, you know, we have some really weird niche idea that's like, you're not going to try to sell it to you know, a global launch and be at Liberty and, and all of these places. Right. So you just make this weird little thing that you can sell a hundred of, and then it checks the box for me, you know, like a lilac scent. I don't know that we're going to make a lilac scent that everyone's going to want, but we did it. And now it's done. And I have a lilac scent, you know, in my repertoire. Kavi, were you going to jump in? Yeah. I mean, I think that we have, um, a, a, a healthy, uh, competitive nature. Um, we surely feel like we have some of the best 
products out there. Um, but I don't like, like David said, we just kind of keep our heads down and look at our, our own paper and just kind of, um, we started a long while back and have done things really like slowly and we've done really slow and steady growth. And that's just how we have to do it because, um, we're just kind of like all in this, um, David and I started this from like, you know, very, like just basically nothing just on our own with no investment, um, years ago. And now, um, as things grow, I mean, we're definitely interested in, um, being competitive in the market. And we have people on our team who help with that, who are just really good at like leading those, you know, those deadlines and those like kind of like anniversary things like the, the idea of, um, we always joke about this, just kind of like being up against last year and like, you know, being up against like what you've done last year and anniversary things is, is kind of new to us. And, um, it's something that we're kind of dealing with now and it does bring, you know, uh, a certain amount of pressure to the business and like the financial side of the business, but I think in a really healthy way, because, um, it just kind of, um, puts a good pressure on us to, to just always be better than we were last year and do something more do something that's going to challenge people more. That's going to excite people more. So I think it's, um, you know, bringing like a healthy sense of competition, uh, competitiveness to us. Tell me a little bit about how you guys approach fragrance, because I think David, you said a little uh, minute ago that, you know, you threw in a lilac fragrance, you know, now we have it, we put that out on the market. That's probably something more traditional than, you know, some of the other scents that you guys do. How do you kind of ideate and what comes into your mind when you're saying like, Hey, I want to put this, you know, out in the world. Well, I have so many ideas like names and, and concepts and ideas, and I'm working on things all the time. And like, I mean, literally I have like 50 things I could release tomorrow if I wanted to, you know, but you, you can't, it has to be like thoughtful and done right. Um, and so I'm not never short of ideas wherever I go and whatever I see, if I think of something, I make a note of it, you know, and then I try to bring that to life. Um, and then I try to explain that idea in the shortest amount of words and have the the sharpest name that makes sense for what you're smelling, you know, like burning barbershop, um, that kind of thing where you just have, um, a really singular concept. Uh, and you know, I make a playlist for everything and I make a whole, document about every like object and color and person and time of day and season that you, that, that is this scent. Um, because if you're going to make content based on something and it's burning barbershop, you know, you don't want like bright yellow during like the summertime and people in bikinis. Cause that wouldn't make sense for what burning barbershop is, you know? So I'm always, uh, I just have a lot of detail, uh, to that. Um, I do want to touch upon a lot of the greats, you know, um, there's certain materials that inspire me a lot. Um, but you know, definitely need to have like a great tuberose and a great vetiver and a great orange blossom and a great rose and a great bergamot. And those things are, are important, you know, to a great perfume line, I think. What about your latest fragrance? I mean, that idea of symphony and, um, with Jesus feet, what was that all about? And tell me a little bit about that. So Jesus feet is, is, is something different, not DS and Durga. I did an art show uh, and I made 12 fragrances, like whatever I wanted to make, like the wildest stuff. So Jesus feet is a great idea. That's never going to be a DS and Durga perfume. You can't really come out with that. And it's just too like provocative. I think for like, yeah, it just wouldn't necessarily make sense. And also I could only make one bottle of it. So I used like the most rare, beautiful materials to make that scene when Mary, you know, washes his feet with the jar of, uh, spikenard. So I, again, I have a million ideas. That's an idea I've always wanted to make. Like what it says that the house smelled of the whole 
spike nard. You know, spike nard is like an, uh, you know, a, a very old plant. We still use it today in perfume. It has like, it actually has a very valerian footnote to it, actually, even though it smells earthy and patchouli. It's called jatamasi as well in like Hindi. Um, and so I, it, but that was in an art show where I made 12 wild fragrances. It wasn't like a DS and Durga launch. Do you feel like that something like that could be integrated though into DS and Durga? I mean, well, definitely not just for the materials. It was made with rare stuff that I had like one gram of like stuff that you couldn't, you can't mass produce things that have like, you know, just really No, they rare can't, oils. but they live on the periphery, right? So we get to, we, 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 we. Yeah, it was an art show. It was David business. Seth Moltz. It wasn't DS and Durga. Like it was it, and, it, and it's not part of DS and Durga, but you know, it's Mark, it, we tell our, our, you know, our, your Insta, our social about it. And we, 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 we tell in our stores, we tell our customers about it. And, you know, it's just like lives, lives in the world, like, uh, on the edges of the world of Dia Sindurga, it just shows that you know there's 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 like levels. Of, we we have our sense that we have to you know that are in our main line or our main collection that are worldwide. Then we like another level is that we have these studio juices that are a little bit more like kind of off the cuff, kind of like exploratory, um, both in scent and like visually. We get to just kind of kind of um, have a little more fun with them and not put too much like. It's not 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 a thought into it, but just kind of like if we have this whim to do this this scent or this design, we get to do it. And then another level of that would be David's art show, where he gets to really kind of explore his kind of wildest uh, olfactory ideas. And it's really not about is it going to sell. It's really yeah. not about is anyone going to like it. it Look, it's, it's a Venn diagram. Relevant. At the end of the day, there's a Venn diagram. I have to like the perfume and think that it's like good. That's one circle. Uh, it has to be a perfume that actually performs and works because something could smell amazing and like last five minutes and not be worth it or like just ha- be too clunky and not perform well on skin. And then like a, their customer base, there has to be a customer base that likes it too. And in the middle of that is a DS and Durga fragrance. A Studio Juice, uh, you know, I have to like it and it like sort of has to work, but not really because it's just like this off the cuff fun thing and it's like more like a little art piece. And like, Yes, the customer has to like it, but it's it's a small drop and there's just a, you know, people like rare, cool ideas. And so it doesn't have to like resonate with a large group of people, let's say. And then the art show, it's, I can make whatever I want. It doesn't have to be good or smell good or or work as a perfume. Like there was one called Mesolithic Fish Traps that smelled like, you know, fish traps from the Mesolithic era. Bizarre something, you know, that's never going to be worn by lots of people, you know, and there are pieces. I mean, that's the other thing is showing that like perfume, there's a, there are a lot of olfactory artists and there's uh, a group of perfumers and there's not so many that are that do both that like touch the art world and know how to make a perfume. Cause don't forget, you can't just put ever anything you want in a fragrance. There's, there's the craziest regulations. There's more regulations than there are for cigarettes. I mean, you can put like toxic, crazy poisons in cigarettes and in perfumes, you know, there's, it's really highly regulated in California and Korea and all of these places. It has to be globally compliant. If you want to sell it, you have to have a huge paper trail. And then there's a sustainability factor. Like you can't just put like so much stuff in it that you can't get again next year and that you can't scale. Uh, there's environmental impact and then there's cost. You know, you can't just, there, there's a limit to what you can put in something. You know, a lot of this has to do with what you personally are interested in, what you what you gravitate towards, David. But you know, what about the customer? I mean, in terms of are there are there fragrances or scents or candles that 
you know, you didn't necessarily think was going to be a bestseller or that you didn't necessarily think was your favorite, but then became much larger than what you expected. Oh, sure. And and I'm, there's two kinds of artists. There's the artist who says, I make art for my, for myself and I don't care what people think. And there's the artist who's like, oh, I want to make sure that people like it. I'm definitely number two. I, I, I'm not, DS and Durga is not like about me, like, you know, sniffing. It's not a vanity own. project. It's, yeah. It's not like I, I want people to like it and I want to be able to make something, you know, whenever there's anything missing and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. We really don't, you know, I have not really worked made too many sweet, strong, sugary gourmand perfumes because I kind of thought they were lame until recently. And then I went to Europe and I see like, oh, wow, that's people really love that. I probably should make one and just make sure that I make it awesome the way I like it. Um, yeah, you know, I was so- going to say, when you asked about our travel before and David being ex- inspired to, you know, um, make new fragrances, it's kind of like not exactly what one might think. It's not based on like, it's, it, you know, like, it's not so much based on, you know, things you might like raw materials, you might've smelled there, you know, definitely like you, you intake a lot and travel and everything, but he surely was exposed to more of what Europeans were wearing. A lot of what a lot of middle Easterners were wearing because we stopped in London, Paris experienced like a lot of that. And, um, you know, it surely informs like what he wants to kind of fill in, in our line because, um, we have, you know, you just, get more perspective as you travel. That's what it's all about. And um, it's good to sort of have that kind of input. It is both too. I do also get stories from traveling as well, because when you get there, things make sense right away. It's happened. So it happens mostly with collaborations too. If I'm making something with someone and it's my idea and then their idea and it never syncs up. But once I go there and can write the story, like, you know, I made a scent for the Glenlivet one time and Glenlivet's known as having uh, like a pineapple note in their, in the raw spirit that comes off their stills. And when I went there, they took me to the original site of the original distillery. And there were these weeds growing like up through the cracks. And I was like, guys, look, it's pineapple weed. And it's called pineapple weed. And it smells just like pineapples. I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is our story. Like need to have pineapple in the fragrance because it ties together the land we're on and the the product that you guys sell. And and it was huge. (laughs) We'll be right back after this message. You mentioned a second ago, David, that you might be much larger than what you were currently capable of. And a lot of the things that you're doing, it sounds like, are very laborious. You know, Kavi, you're coming up with so much of the packaging and the design elements, David, the scents themselves. Like, tell us a little bit about your team and like what you can physically actually do as two people who are really doing a lot of this themselves. So an interesting thing about our team is that I have a, I mean, our, t- our team is, is, growing, has grown a lot, is growing. Um, and there are a lot of people who have input on everything, visual, branding, design, packaging, website, emails, uh, retail design, everything. But David truly works alone um, because he's he doesn't have any help with, um, and he gets applications all the time for people to intern with him, but it just doesn't make sense um, for what he's doing. He just has this like singular vision. So all the perfume is really made by him alone. Whereas every other part of our business like has like team devoted to it and multiple people helping and and giving input. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it takes a lot. Um, and, um, I don't know, David, do you want to speak to like you doing it by yourself? No, I would only say that I think of these things as like, pillars in building the business. And there's one pillar has to do with like how you appear in wholesale. 
And that's like kind of a rigged system where you need to have like connections and money to make, to get the good spaces and make them right and build those relationships. Like we just launched in, we were like a Barney's brand and did really well at Barney's, but didn't even have a space actually. Just have, I guess we had like a small space and then that closed and we just launched at Bergdorf in March. So it was like a couple years after that we finally are like, okay, here, like this is us. And they gave us a space and it's beautiful and we can tell our whole story. Um, you have to know people who know how to sell well in wholesale and how that whole system works. And we have such a great sales team that does that for us. Another pillar is direct, like how you can speak directly to your consumer in your stores, first of all. So you have to have a team that's awesome and wants to talk to people and is exciting and, and nice. And someone like Kavi who can design and be thoughtful about how it all, all looks. And then the other point of direct is the website, right? Which we've just launched a new website with a real deep dive into the products. Uh, a lot of the things that I've written, um, I mean, I wrote, wrote it all, but meaning the, there's more of that I wrote uh, for, that you can see inside the product is now on our website. Um, and plus videos we've made um, and images and links to the playlist and that whole thing. And then another pillar I think is, this is like the founder pillar where the founders have to go out and build relationships and grow and collaborate and sort of get known for what they're doing. And if you can harmonize those three things, like they, they help each other and, and they, they make the whole mass grow, you know? And, and if, as long as you stay true to the um, foundations of what you're doing. And so for me, I know that it, I love doing this and I want to spread joy. Like at the end of the day, it's about spreading joy. That's what this is. You're like spreading joy into the world through like your artistic expression. So if you don't lose that, great. And I want to push perfume more towards the arts uh, to like give it its place in, in fine arts and to give it to more people, to give a voice to perfume to the masses, you know, like, because it's something I, I sometimes think about food and how, you know, in my parents' day, like no one thought about food as like this artistic discipline, except for a very small group of people. And now like there's show after show of like everything people just food is as, as influential or not, or maybe more than like music, what music was for before. I don't think perfume is going to necessarily go as big as food, but I think that being able to give uh, people the words and educate the consumer about how to talk about perfume and what, what it can do will only help um, grow the world of perfume. I, I've probably said this before. I know I've said it before, but I'm saying it, it could have been written somewhere, but a lot of people, a lot of times people will say like, um, oh, like your brand is so like irreverent, you know, or they use the word disruptive. And though we think totally originally of our own accord, I actually feel very reverent about perfume and the perfume industry. And I honor and respect other brands and other perfumers and what came before us and only want to help shine a light on how amazing that is to the world. I'm not interested at all in the idea of like tearing it down to like, build our own, you know, thing. Like a, it's a continuation of what came before because that's the natural course of artistic expression. What are some of those brands or scents that you feel reverent towards? Um, well, so like the old like Chanel Guerlain, like they might be like Beatles and Stones for us, right? Like those are, those are really like when perfume and actually, uh, you know, before that 1890s, uh, well, yeah, like Guerlain, those old brands, I think, gave like a, a great foundation. Um, 
but even like what Ralph Lauren did, like I was definitely very inspired by Polo when I was a little kid and, and, and that whole, you know, he kind of created this whole Americana idea. Uh, I love how Comme de Garçon has different lines and is like, oh, these are our incenses. These are this and that. And that's something I always wanted to do because I, I really don't like, I don't want to make a line of 50 perfumes and, and you're like, what is all this? You know, I like how you can keep yeah. things separate. When David and I, fresh. when we first met, I was wearing Comme de Garçon um, 71 and it's like, it's like so bizarre. Like smell it's, I think it said it smelled like hot light bulbs. I don't know if they make it anymore, but that was definitely very influential. We were just like, that's crazy and so yeah, cute. Yeah, Mark Buxton you know, is the That perfumer. was the kind of stuff, yeah. He's a oh, badass, yeah. you know? He's he's amazing. I've, I've met him before and hung with him. Like, he, he does really great things. There's other perfumers that I think are amazing, too, you know, whatever line they make. Like I said, they make things for many different brands, so it's not always about, like, the brand and, and more about the perfumer. Um, In our heart of hearts, we're always going to, like, when we started, our we wanted to make stuff that wasn't, that wasn't out there. I mean, obviously, when you start, you have to be you have to be doing something different. Otherwise, what's the point? You have to be filling a void or why are you doing it? And we definitely wanted to make things that were, that were different, that were different than the commercial sense out there. Um, yeah, there's no rules, right? There's no rules. Like, yeah, there's no one saying like it, you're like, look how many brands come out. And it's like, it's, this is like a patchouli. This is an orange blossom. This is a, a, a rose. And like, and it just like is the same formula that you have to have this same group of scents, even if they're well done it just gets so boring. Like the, you, you can make something that smells like a car crash, you know, like you could, you can make something that smells like a cloud or like, you know, you can make something, you can just do whatever you want. It's because that's what you can do with music and that's what you can do with painting and that's what you can do with writing, but you, it can be done with perfume too. I know the main reason it doesn't happen as much is because the person who's selling you the perfume, they didn't make the perfume and they don't know how to make perfume. So they don't really understand what's so art- artistically drastic about what's going on in there. Like, like the Comme des Garçons thing that Kavi said, like hot light bulbs. Wow. That, that was a crazy, crazy scent. And if you're a perfumer, you're like, whoa, he did this, he did that. But if you don't know those things and don't have the terminology for it, you end up being sold like marketing notes that someone uh, learned from a perfumer and there's that disconnect. So the, the perfumer's voice is lost in the final product. Uh, you know, that's something that like Frederick Mall has been good with, right? There's a picture of the perfumer on the box and they can talk a little bit about what they were trying to do. Um, and, you know, I've even talked to him about it. It's like, yeah, why, why didn't I even think of that? Of course, like it's, you know, it's a lot, it's, you, you could love a song that was written by someone else and performed better by a performer. But sometimes the singer songwriter that wrote the song, you might connect with uh, that yeah, it's version giving a little credit bit more. where credit is due. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that marketing piece. And obviously the retail piece that goes alongside with that, you know, how hard is it to do today when so much of it is performance marketing or sales team marketing in a retailer, like a Bergdorf or a Sephora or XYZ retailer, because these people have to be the megaphone of your brand, but at the same time, it's much more pay to play, if you will, um, than it was even, you know, five, 10 years ago. Yeah. You got to yeah. take your opportunity. Yeah. It's a real hustle. Yeah. yeah. And we still don't get like, you know, everything that we would want to in that regard, but look, we're about to do like an ad in Vogue for the first time. And we got the, we've gotten the windows at Liberty a bunch of times and we just got like this whole build out in Bergdorf's. Um, so when it comes, you just do it right. I think the cream rises to the top and you just, you make the content and the stuff that goes along with it. So awesome that, so when, when you're called and you're ready to do it, you have it ready to go. You know, like we're making it anyway. Every perfume, like I said, has a 
huge document of information that goes along with it and images and a playlist, uh, you know, just you make it as if the opportunity is going to be there. You know, we, we just launched our brand video right before this call, the email came out. It took us 13 years to finally decide on making a brand video and you know, it's finally out there, but how do you, how do you get it out there? Everyone on this podcast, when they're done, should go see, should go watch it. <laughs> I think you're right though. It's, it's so, it's so much pay to play. And that's why, um, of all the channels, um, I mean, they're all like an art and a science to them, but of all of them, I think that's why, especially to me, retail, our retail stores are very, um, near, near to my art because it's something I understand. It's physical. It's about an experience. It brings in my, you know, kind of like architectural experiential background you walk in we're a our team that we have trained that is like part of the ds and durga family is like speaking to you about the perfume and um so it's just there's no there's no mystery to to it there it's just it's it's not pay to play it's like here's our store you come in it's very kind of old-fashioned um and i and i like that about it but yes in terms of you know, social and, you know, uh, digital marketing and ads, um, and now wholesale and like getting counter space places. Um, it's all, it's, it's a lot, it's a real hustle. And we have people in our team who, who, who understand it and are, are doing such an amazing job. Um, you know, work, uh, making it work. Um, but David and I are kind of like, well, I, I'm not speaking for David, but me, I love our retail source for this reason that it's just kind of yeah. digestible, th- easy to understand for me. I didn't know what the word marketing meant, meant until like five or six years ago. Um, and I realized like at the end of the day within, besides being a creative, which is at, you know, what, what I am and what Kavi is, but in the business, if business is product, uh, sales, marketing, and finance, you know, I we're obviously products cause we're creative. I'm not a sales guy. Like I don't want to like close a deal or anything. I'm certainly not a finance person. Uh, but marketing, I actually do like marketing because what, what marketing is, is, it is, you have this amazing product. You can have the world's best product that's superior to something else. You know, like I think they say Betamax was better than VHS or something, but it lost like the marketing battle. Um, so imagine your, your job is to give voice to this incredible thing. Now, if you don't believe in your product, then I'm sure marketing would be awful, but I made it. It's my art. I'm so stoked on it. I'm psyched to be able to talk to the consumer and also have robust training documents for people, not just that work for us, but also in stores, you know, like Mecca in Australia has an unbelievably in- incredible training, like portal where they interview us there. You can watch a three hour training video. I think of Kavi and I three hours. Um, so there you, you give all of those materials to try to tell your story, um, you know, so that if someone needs to look, if this podcast ended right now and your friend and you were like, yeah, I just had the school brand DS and Durgon and you had to talk about what we were like, hopefully we've talked enough that you have enough understanding of what makes us tick to be able to tell your friend, you know, what we're like. So I think having training documents is important. And then to embrace the enjoyment of talking about your product. Like I said, you can make there's no difference between sometimes you think about like oats, right? It's, there's like, there's oats and they're like almost the same as these ones, but this one comes in this like beautiful old, like Irish tin and they're talking, there's quotes on it. And it all of a sudden seems like this incredible product. I mean, sometimes it actually is as far as where they come from, but like, you know, how you market something is very interesting to me. You have to be careful not to, that it goes like gross and corporate and just, you know, just keep it like fun and 
awesome. How do you do that though when places like Bergdorf or or Mecca are your megaphone? And I'm not sure if you guys are interested in big beauty retail like a Sephora or an Ulta or some of these bigger stores and store fleets, but you know, you're kind of having to relinquish control and let people, you know, well, say what yeah, they want. I mean, to say control or... is like an illusion anyway, right? I, I think I always say that our 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 style, our marketing style, or not marketing, our uh, our vision is like the Rolling Stones. Everybody likes the Rolling Stones and thinks they're good and they're still cool, even if they made like an underwear brand with like, uh, you know, Target. They could do it right. As long as you keep it, as long as you keep your principles uh, in check with what you're doing and you make and you really believe in what you're doing. Look, we're doing this NFT thing. And when we post about it, we got slammed as if it's this big money grab. But look, when the people came to me to do it, I was skeptical and didn't understand it until I learned what it really was. And then we started collaborating with this incredible artist named Fuck Render, who like, you know, he's just an amazing artist, right? So I could be excited about that. And then, oh, wow, I can make a whole mythology of like this world of these perfumes that could never exist in our world and they can live there, but now I can actually make them in real life here. So I've told this like myth a lot. I've made up this myth because a lot of our perfumes, you know, are based a little bit more in reality. This is pure fantasy, but then I can make uh, a perfume in real, in the real world that smells like, you know, this, this unique token. Uh, and so as long as I believe in it and think it's cool, then I'm totally fine to talk to people about it. But yeah, you, some, some people are going to miss it and not understand it and think that your principles are, you know, corrupt, but they're not because as long as you don't let them get corrupt, like the Rolling Stones, they're not making decisions just to make money. They, we just saw them in France. Like they love what they're doing and they're just giving and, and they're psyched to do it. And it's not a slog. It's, it's cause they enjoy it. So I think that we'll, we're, we'll try to do that and just stay true to ourselves always. As long as you stay true to yourselves, I think you'll be fine. Is that how you feel about other collaborations, like with other product brands and other, you know, whether they're in beauty or outside of beauty? Yeah, we want to collaborate with people who we honor and respect and think that they do cool things, definitely. What's the end game for you guys? You know, you see all these, you know, indie fragrance brands getting bought or trying to get funding or more investment. Like, how do you feel about all that? Since it is we such have a investment, personal... by the way. We, we, we have a private equity partner that we've had since 2018. So, I mean, that's a trajectory. There's only so big you can grow your brand. You need to partner with someone who believes in you and can like take you to the next level. So, you know, we, we keep our, but do you want to sell? Well, so, so I think, I I think, I think you look at it, we look at it as a little different than it's not like you sell, make a bunch of money and walk away and like become a farmer. It's like you partner with someone to like really grow your brand and you know, how, how the economics and how the structure works, you know, is, is high in the sky. You can make it up as, as you go along, but there's only so far. Yeah. You, you need to partner with someone who already understands and has been there before. I mean, once you take investment, especially right, like it, you're on the hook to like grow, grow the business. Yeah. And we want to, and we want to grow and we want to stay with DS and Durga. It's, it's the hugest part of our lives. Um, and, uh, we have so much more that we want to do with it and that will take a lot of money. You know, it's just how it is. Thank you guys so much for being here. It was great talking to you today. Thanks. It was so nice talking to you, Bria. Thank you so much for listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And of course, that means if you haven't subscribed, please hit that button.